Hello, and welcome to a presentation from the St. Raymond Donatus Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith. This is Anne DeSantis here, Executive Director, and I'm joined by, as you can see, there's other people here on the screen with me. Uh, first of all, I have Mr. Bill Snyder. He is the founder of Patchwork Heart Ministry. He's also on the board of directors for the St. Raymond Donatus Foundation. And I also have with us Derek Fiorenza and Anthony Fiorenza from Summit Group Retirement Planners in Pennsylvania, as well as Lindsay Holzel from Holzel Law, also in PA. So I wanna welcome all of you. Thank you so much for joining us. And the name of this presentation that we're doing today is called Plan Giving, Legacy Giving, and it applies to people who want to make donations to nonprofits. So I'd like to first bring onto the screen, uh, Derek Fiorenza. So he's gonna take the screen right now and give us a little bit of a background and how one can get started in doing. Sure, and so thank you um, for having us and uh, the opportunity to kind of share some insights. Uh, today, as Ann said, we're gonna be talking a little bit about plan giving and we're gonna keep it pretty basic. This is not constituting investment advice. It's not constituting tax advice and it's not constituting legal advice, but we're gonna hit a few bullet points. Um, I, too, set up a nonprofit organization that provides food to the hungry. And a conversation that we'll have with our uh, donor population are ways in which to maximize your contribution, not just today, but going forward into the future, so that even when you're no longer with us, you're still impacting the charitable organization. And that's essentially what legacy planning or plan giving is. It's extending your legacy beyond your time here on Earth after you go on to meet the Lord, uh, what are you able to do with the resources the Lord has blessed you with and being able to facilitate um, that stewardship even after you pass. So that's essentially what plan giving is. It's making a plan for after you pass. But a lot of people might not be aware of, there are different ways to give. And when we talk about plan giving, we typically think legacy, you're, you're dying and you're donating money from your estate. Well, Lindsay will talk about that a little bit later, setting up wills but you can also give while you're alive. And there are a few things we're gonna cover at a high level. We'll talk about um, charitable trusts, very, very high level. And then more commonly, what, what you'll see is what's called a donor advised fund, uh, life insurance and IRAs, individual retirement accounts, taking distributions from IRAs uh, once you reach a certain age. So for the IRA piece, I'm gonna turn things over to Anthony and Anthony, if you can just explain what an RMD is and how one could donate that money to charity. Thank you, Derek, and thank you everybody for your attention and participation. An IRA, as Derek said, stands for Individual Retirement Account, and everybody in America is enabling themselves, if they choose to do so, to have an IRA. The focus of our conversation today revolves around those folks who are 73 years of age or older. Upon reaching that age, 73, the IRS requires that an individual must take what's called an RMD, which stands for Required Minimum Distribution. The financial institution takes into account the owner's age, their account balance as of 1231 of last year, and the mortality tables. So that required minimum distribution, which comes out of a traditional IRA, a rollover IRA or an inherited IRA 
must be taken by the individual before the end of the year, the calendar year. If they do not, they have a 25% tax penalty that they owe. So obviously that individual works with their financial institution and their accountant to make sure they're taking the required minimum. Whether or not they need it, it has to be distributed to them. What the tax code enables those individuals to do is that they can take that RMD and not, if you will, take constructive receipt, but have it sent to a nonprofit or a charitable institution. And by doing that, we call that a qualified charitable donation, QCD. So if I had an IRA and I was 75 years old at the bank and my distribution was $3,000 and I don't need the money, I could say take the $3,000 and make a check payable to whatever charitable institution or non-for-profit that I choose to have the monies go to. I'm not being taxed on it, yet I'm following the IRS guidelines by having that distribution leave my account legally and be deposited into the institution of my choice. So I'm charitably inclined to help them out. Derek? So as Anthony kind of alluded to, this can be very impactful for anyone who has uh, donors to your organization that might currently be donating and they are at that RMD age, they're age 73 or, or above and they're currently donating. Think of it this way, money's coming out of their IRA, they take the distribution, they're paying taxes on that, and then they're turning around and making a donation to the charity after they've taken that distribution. So that initial amount, let's say it was $100, they've pulled $100 because they were required to take that amount from the IRS um, tables. They now are left with $80, and they're making their donation from $80. Well, what this is doing is you're never, as Anthony said, taking constructive receipt of the funds, which means the money is not coming to you as a distribution, but going directly to the charity. So as opposed to you receiving $100 and paying taxes and netting $80, and that's just an example, the full $100 or $80 can go directly to the charity. You've never increased your gross income and the charity benefits because it maximizes that donation. So if you're not already having that conversation amongst donors, Anyone that's in that pool above age 73 that has an IRA is required to take the distribution. And as Anthony said, there are some other instances with different types of IRAs where that also could come into play. So something to be mindful of and, and keep top of mind. Another very popular way to donate, and, and we talk about this a lot um, in general, but in the nonprofit circle, we think of what's called bequests. And I might have Anthony talk about what bequests are, but we think of it in terms of, of life insurance. Yes. So the way it works is if a person has a life insurance policy, they could list a beneficiary, obviously, to receive the proceeds of that policy upon their passing away. They could leave a portion of that 401, I'm sorry, their life insurance policy to the charity of their choice. So if they have $100,000 and they want to leave behind 10% of that to their charity, they would list the charity as a beneficiary and the other 90% would go to family or children or whatever. But life insurance becomes a nice way where someone's not taken from their estate, but they're taken from their future potential, if you will, earnings through the life insurance contract and they're giving it to the charity. Derek? So a lot of times if you're talking to your donors, um, Depending upon their age, they might not be at a, a spot where 
it makes sense financially to take out a life insurance policy because they might be older, but maybe they have an existing policy. And you might have a conversation around allocation. Does 100% of that policy need to go to their family or can they carve up 5% or 10% or 15% for argument's sake as a, a charitable donation strategy um, to go to the nonprofit, the, the qualified nonprofit um, in this case that you're raising money for. So keeping those two strategies top of mind, um, very key, talking to your donor pool. A third one that we'll talk about briefly is what's called a donor advised fund. And essentially what you're doing here is you're just streamlining your contribution. So you'd work with an investment management firm and you would select a charity. You would donate your money, not to the charity, but to the donor advised funds. And without speaking from a tax standpoint, there's uh, timing benefits to making that contribution through a donor advised funds that if you talk with an accountant can, can explain how it'll exponentially impact or improve, potentially even enhance uh, that donation, enabling you to take more of that charitable donation up front in the year in which you make that contribution. Again, that's a conversation to have with your, your uh, accountant, your CPA, uh, as they can give you tax advice. But there are situations where a donor advised fund can also be utilized to help benefit your charity. Also, when we talk about donations, when you're donating cash, typically you can deduct up to 60% of your uh, adjustable gross income. For cash contributions, that number is a little bit less when you're talking about other things like stocks, so on and so forth. Again, consult please with an accountant. But we have um, seen instances where people will make donations of stock, of mutual funds, uh, and they'll go to a charity. The only challenge with that is sometimes charities have trouble accepting that donation and then liquidating that uh, stock or that mutual fund if they do not have an endowment set up. And for nonprofits, here's a bonus, um, endowments. Endowments are a way in which you can build sustainability for the future. So setting up a fund that uh, donors can uh, decide to earmark or, or focus their contributions on, that money can then be invested and then that will grow tax free because uh, it's a nonprofit organization, and then interest from that endowment then can be used to offset operational expenses. It can also be used to offset um, if you have a building or you've got staff, depending upon how the endowment is set up and structured, it can be used for a variety of things. So again, something that you could talk to your accountant about um, or your financial advisor that you work with, or maybe have one on the board, set up an endowment as a way for charities in general to build sustainability into the future, to be reliant on their donors and on the legacy that they're able to create through planned giving and uh, less reliant on um, external sources of funding vis-a-vis uh, -vis grants or um, different types of ongoing contributions that you might be receiving from donors or even operational program dollars that you might be receiving from your charity. The last thing we'll talk about, and this is a good segue uh, and for Lindsay, but is uh, charitable trusts. And there are two main types. Uh, there's many types of trusts, but two main ones we think of in the charitable trust world. One is called a charitable remainder trust, and one is a charitable leave trust. So really the difference has to do with when the charity is receiving the funds. So a charitable remainder trust is when the charity will essentially inherit that trust, um, but the individual's that are investing their dollars into that trust are able to receive a payout, similar to like an annuity. Um, and there are guidelines around that. So obviously something you should talk to an accountant about 
And then a charitable leave trust is when you donate money into a trust and the charity is benefiting from the interest from that trust, but then it then goes back to the donors. Um, so there's just different ways in which you can maximize these benefits. There are things that Lindsay will probably hit on, such as the uh, lifetime gifting, um, the annual gift exclusions. But with respect to trusts, as I always say, consult with a CPA or an attorney to ensure that you're setting them up correctly. We're not giving financial, legal, or tax advice. Thank you so much to both of you. Great job. I mean, there was so much to unpack there, so much to think about. And uh, of course, when this taping is over and when pe people are watching us, they might want to get in touch with you, Derek. What would be the best way for them to get in touch if they have questions about some of the things you talked about? I would say have them reach out to you and then we can kind of go from there. Okay. Yeah. And to reach out to me, all you need to do is go to nonatis.org. My email address is director.srnf at gmail.com. You probably didn't catch that. You can just go to the contact form right at nonatis.org. So I'd like to bring on Lindsay. She, uh, Lindsay Holzel from Pennsylvania. She has her own law practice, Holzel Law. So I'd like to bring her on for all of you right now. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us and for this presentation. Start out, please, by telling us a little bit about yourself and about your practice. We're so happy to have you here. Hi, Anne. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and thank you for the introduction. I am a Pennsylvania estate planning and real estate attorney. I am very passionate about educating people about estate planning um, so that they are able to protect their family and their assets. Uh, and to have peace of mind for their future. Um, so for purposes of this presentation, I'm going to give you a brief overview of estate planning and why it's so important. Um, and then I will move on to uh, the tax issues that arise, um, estate tax issues that arise. Here are some key reasons why we do planning. All of us want to give what we have to the people we want to have it, and in a certain way, all on a timeline that we think is appropriate. We also want a level of care for ourselves if we ever become incapacitated. We each have people in our lives who we would want to be cared for and protected if tragedy were to strike. And for some people, avoiding probate is a big reason for doing estate planning. Um, Apropos to this conversation, fulfilling charitable intentions can be a very big part of a lot of people's estate plans. And your estate plan is a way for you to pass on your values and your ideals to your children and to your grandchildren. It's also an avenue for maximizing asset distribution to your loved ones, minimizing your taxes at death, and protecting your assets from creditors, divorce, or bankruptcy for future generations. Many of you might believe that you don't have an estate plan in place because you don't have estate planning documents, um, but that's not the case. If you don't have your documents ready, Pennsylvania has an estate plan for you. Um, the default plan could result in, this, in outcomes that you don't like for you, for your loved ones, for your assets. Uh, so by putting your estate plan in place, you can make these important decisions for yourself instead of letting the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania make the decisions for you. So what do we mean by an estate? M many people don't realize um, that we all really have an estate. 
an estate isn't something that just only wealthy people have. It's all of your assets, all of your accounts make up your estate, your bank accounts, your vehicles, your stocks, bonds, life insurance, your house, investment properties, your 401k, jewelry, art, maybe even some valuable collections that you might have. Uh, we need to decide where these things are going to go when we pass away. The best way for you to put your wishes in place is to put an estate plan in place while you are alive. Um, as part of any estate plan, no matter how complex, you're going to need to have a will or a trust depending upon your goals. And within those documents, you're going to make choices about who you want to receive your assets and when you want them to be distributed. So you can make charitable intentions known in your wills by in your will or your trust by making specific bequests to a charity that would be that you say that you want your the charity to receive a certain portion of your estate it could be a dollar amount or it could be a percentage you can do the same thing with other beneficiaries um, one thing that a lot of people ask me when it comes to estate planning is um, you know, if you have a larger estate, how do you reduce the value of your estate in order to um, reduce the taxes that your loved ones will have to pay on your death? And so I'm just going to really go over kind of the most obvious strategy that there is. And that one basic strategy is to do some lifetime gifting. Um, if you gift during your lifetime, you're going to re reduce the value of your estate by the amount of cash you gift during your lifetime. In 2023, the gift tax annual exclusion amount is $17,000 for an individual or $34,000 for a married couple. The annual exclusion amount applies to gifts to each donee. So if you give each of your children $17,000 in 2023, the annual exclusion applies to each gift. For any gift over the exclusion amount, you would have to file a gift tax return. You will not actually pay taxes on the gifts until you reach your lifetime exclusion amount, which is the amount that you can transfer during your life or at death without incurring a gift tax. For 2023, the gift tax exemption is $12.92 million for an individual or $25.84 million per married couple. So lifetime gifts that do not qualify for the annual exclusion described above, so above that annual exclusion amount, will reduce the amount of your gift and estates tax exemption available at death. So you can make lifetime gifting um, part of your estate planning strategy through a trust, um, through charitable distributions, through the types of trusts that Derek mentioned previously. Um, and obviously, you can continue to make, you can reduce the value of your estate over time by making charitable, charitable contributions in cash. And so if anyone has any questions, I am happy to answer them. Green here. It's great to see you. Thank you so much to everybody. Um, I am going to bring Derek back on as well, um, so that the three of us, the three, can we can discuss any other issues or questions as a group here. Um, I believe that Bill isn't with us anymore, unless I, I just said his name, so maybe he is, and I'm not seeing him, but I think he's not able to continue on the call. Um, is there anything else that that you can think of? Uh, that, you know, it's a, it's a nonprofit organization such as the St. Raymond Onatus Foundation. 
And what we do is provide pastoral care, free pastoral care for families in crisis. And we also have with us, I think Bill is with us again, coming back on. Um, Bill Snyder is the founder of Patchwork Heart Ministry. And Bill, um, as I'm bringing everybody onto the screen right now, um, would you like to tell us a little bit about your ministry? Well, sure. Thank you so much, Anne, for having me on. Uh, and I apologize for whatever technical difficulties there uh, that yeah. were occurring with my camera. Uh, but uh, just wanted to uh, let everyone know that I am deeply grateful to uh, both Derek and Lindsay for, for hosting this uh, and talking about this, because as you know, Anne, both of us are charitable uh, organizations and uh, or, or you know, operate within charitable organizations. And so I'm deeply grateful for all the information and, and those uh, who are following our channels uh, to, to, to encounter this, watch this uh, and learn more because, you know, uh, this is just a great way to, um, to donate to them. So first, firstly that uh, I have a small, uh, I'm the CEO of a small nonprofit organization called Patchwork Heart Ministry. We do a lot of online, uh, you know, evangelization efforts uh, through the Catholic Church. And uh, so we simply like to say we sow hope into broken hearts. And you can learn more about us at patchworkheart.org uh, and all the things that we do. Bill, thank you so much. And I have to mention, too, that Bill is on the board for the St. Raymond Onatus Foundation, where I work. And we do a lot of collaborative efforts, including podcasts. We have a podcast called Sewing Hope, um, which you can go to patchworkheart.org and, and watch that podcast or patchworkheartradio.org. But there's a lot of collaborative efforts in the Catholic Church and with small nonprofits such as ours. So it's a great topic for us, I think, today to talk about that idea of legacy gifts, plan giving, whether it be for some uh, an organization like ourselves or like Bill's nonprofit or other ones, even at F4. Uh, Derek, I would invite you to talk a little bit about F4, uh, Fiorenza's Food for Friends, so that the audience can learn. Sure. We um, we set up an organization in 2011 that provides food to the hungry. So we help facilitate uh, leftover food that would otherwise be discarded to go to shelters in need. And also we do food drives with companies throughout the country to benefit local food comforts and food banks. And kind of circling back to what you had said, though, um, some additional thoughts. You run a nonprofit. Bill's running a nonprofit. Um, we have a nonprofit, and there's many other people that will listen. It's super important when you're recruiting your board members to try to identify talent. So we always think if we need to raise money as, as a nonprofit, well, we do. We need money to, to run the organization, to run the operations. But having talent, having the resources um, of different people, on your board can really go a long way. So finding a financial advisor, finding um, an accountant, finding an attorney that can help with setting up these trusts and um, estate plans, getting these insurance uh, bequests set up, getting these trusts set up, reviewing the gifting strategies, looking at stock donations. All of these avenues are really areas that can help an organization long term. And when you're building your strategic plan or reviewing your strategic plan, Having planned giving as a central theme and setting up an endowment so that you can be self-sufficient is a good goal to build to. And I'm speaking purely as a nonprofit right now. Um, identifying talented individuals that can help you in those areas cannot be uh, overstated. It, it, can, it can only bring fruit to the organization to have individuals that are informed, intelligent, and willing to contribute not just their financial resources, but their intellect to help further the organizations, uh, the important ones that you're running in and build. 
wonderful wonderfully stated and uh lindsay did you have any final words before we end this broadcast because i i would love for people to find out more about what you do in case they would like to contact you for any of the things that you talked about i also invite people who are friends of our foundation possibly friends of patchwork heart that would want to get in touch with you with any of those legal questions Sure, I'd be happy to talk to anyone about uh, putting their own estate plan in place and making sure that if they want to provide gifting to your um, nonprofits, that they're able to do that and they're able to do it in a way that benefits your nonprofits and potentially could also benefit them going forward and their beneficiaries. Um, and that's certainly possible from a tax and legal perspective. So, um, you know, if you'd like to contact me, you can contact Anne. You can also go to my website, um, which should be easily searchable. Um, but if you have any questions, yes, definitely run them by me. I love the work that you guys are doing, and I think it's just so important that we just keep spreading the word and making sure that people are, are continuing to donate and making sure their charitable intentions top of mind. Thank you. Derek and Anthony, did you have final words before we end? Oh, thanks for having us. And, and I, I've been praying for you both that your organization continue to grow and serve the Lord. Thank you. And Bill? Yeah. And thank you, as always. Uh, this has been a pleasure uh, being on this call. Uh, talking with all of you and learning a bunch uh, about uh, legacy giving. So thank you to everyone tuned in and is with us today. Yes. God bless. And we'll see all of you here next time on our next presentation with the St. Raymond Anadis Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith. God bless. The St. Renatus Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith was founded in 2015 by the Mercedarian Religious Order with a mission to make pastoral outreach to families in crisis. The friars came together after attending the World Meeting of Families in Philadelphia with hopes of creating a foundation which could help those families and individuals who have faced tough times and need to know that the church cares and is there to help. Since that time when we were founded, the foundation has helped hundreds of families by offering prayer, priestly consultations, podcasts and videos, and programs and events. Whether it is something to do with divorce or separation, trauma, job loss, loss of a loved one, relationship issues or other crisis, the foundation has seen lives transformed through the services we provide. Pope Francis has referred to our world as a field hospital, where there are a great deal of individuals and families who feel abandoned and they need the special outreach of those who truly care and wish to show the face of God to others. As a foundation, that is what we do every day, and we're grateful to people like you who help to make a difference for families in crisis. Please pray for us and for our mission would you consider a one-time or recurring gift? Please go to nonatus.org to donate. Thank you sincerely from all of us at the St. Raymond Nonatus Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith.